I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to the Smash or Pass podcast, part of the Smash Accept network of podcasts. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Guys, rookie draft season is in full swing and... I could not be more thrilled than for today's podcast. We're going to announce our guests here in a little bit. But Snook, I mean, it is draft season. Things have been going crazy. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing good, Dad, and thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to kick it back with Mason, a guy who's been an absolute monster in this space. He's paved the way for a lot of people to get into it, myself included. So I'm excited to draft rookies and see what he's all about. Hey, you, you kind of stole my line there, and that's fine, because I know you're excited about it. Uh, without further ado, the creator of Flock Fantasy, you can find him on YouTube, amazing content. Mason Dodd, welcome to the show tonight, brother. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited about it. You can tell Snoog was super excited. This was one where he was, this was on his bucket list, so he is just amped, as am I. Why don't you tell the listeners exactly, we, we do a lot of podcast work, but your YouTube channel is phenomenal. Like, why don't you tell everybody kind of how you got started and what you have going on over there at Flock Fantasy? Yeah, so essentially it got started playing Dynasty, and now we have our redraft channel, we have our Dynasty channel, but essentially I was telling y'all before we went live, I mean, back in like 2014, 2015, I fell in love with Dynasty Fantasy Football, where I'd literally wake up, start listening to Dynasty Podcasts till the time I went to bed, and did that for a long time. So in college, I just decided, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's start a Dynasty Fantasy Football YouTube channel. Did it every single day, fell in love with it. Like I, I never even thought in a million years that it could be a job and did maybe two to three videos a day for like years. And then all of a sudden, one random video blew up. And I was like, okay, um, is this is this what I'm doing from now on? And yeah, it's just something that I've always loved and always been obsessed with. So can you tell everybody where they can find your work? Cause I mean, your, your Twitter page is phenomenal. You know, if you guys aren't following him, make sure you guys do, but exactly where they can find your work because it is, it is awesome. Like I started diving into it as soon as Snoog was talking to me about it. I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say um, Twitter, pro probably not the best spot to be getting stuff. Usually I'm out there just poking fun at people on Twitter. <laughs> um, YouTube, definitely uh, Flock Fantasy is the redraft channel. And then Dynasty Flock is the Dynasty channel. I think Dynasty channel is about to cross like 30,000 subs sometime this week. Redraft channel, I think is about to cross like 153 or maybe we're already at 153. That's incredible. That's incredible. Just in that short span of time, that's that's incredible growth. And I mean, we're excited. What we're going to do tonight is really kind of chop it up and talk about the rookies. You know, everybody's excited about the rookie class. I know, you know, you have some favorites and we we decided we're going to have a mock draft. We put you at the 101 right off the bat. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the experience. I saw you were at the NFL draft. You know, I saw you, you interviewed Bijan, you interviewed some of the big timers. Tell me a little bit about that experience because that had to be, is this your first year going there? It had to be amazing. Yeah, it was my first year going there. Had no idea it was going to happen. No idea that it would ever be a possibility. And then NFL all day reached out to us about it literally maybe 10 days before the draft. And I had never done anything of that sort. I mean, I'm just used to sitting in my little studio, going live with OBS or whatever it is with my usual setup, camera, microphone, whatever the hell. But as soon as they told us it was a possibility that we'd be on the red carpet and not only that we could go and 
interview those guys on our own stuff on our own live stream like it was a opportunity that we could never pass up on so went through got all the equipment that we thought we would possibly need to do like a on-the-go live stream went super stressed the entire time but actually felt surreal when we stepped on the red carpet and saw like right next to us i mean fox sports right next to that espn right next to that nfl network and then it was just some small little YouTuber there live streaming, you know? So it, it was incredible. I mean, everybody was so nice. People actually, the players actually talked to us on the stream. So it couldn't have been better. And it was like a, a blur from the beginning to the end. We all have our favorite, you know, rookies that were drafted and stuff like that. But who was, I mean, this you are you have this inside information. You're here with these guys. Like who was really just surreal to meet and it, just a, a cool down to earth kind of guy? I would say the guy who was the most personable and I wish I had 10% of his charisma. And I, this is what you're going to hear from everybody and I'm about to take him at the 101. I'm telling you, Bijan Robinson has more charisma than anybody I've ever talked to in my entire life. He's one of those guys that you are able to go and talk to and in literally 15 seconds, he can make you feel like you're his best friend. Like it is unbelievable. I wish I had that kind of skill. I wish I was that well-spoken. I wish I was that nice, funny, whatever it is. I mean, talking to him for 15 seconds, you immediately fall in love. That's so awesome. to draft him in fantasy football. No, exactly. I am <laughs> trying to I, uh, see if I can reach out to him and get him on the YouTube channel again. It was like really cool to interview him on the red carpet, but I've been daydreaming ever since then of how I'm going to message him on Instagram and go, hey, man, uh, can you come on my fantasy football YouTube channel? Well, one day hopefully will happen. That's amazing. Well, without further ado, let's get this draft started. So, I mean, you have the 101. We were you already alluded to that. It's B. John Robinson. It's not even particularly close. Go ahead and, and tell us why it's B. John Robinson. Yeah, I mean, the man's just going to be a three down back from the time he steps on the field. I actually graduated from the University of Texas, funny enough. And I mean, if you're just looking at the overall profile, this is literally a player that right now is being drafted as the running back two, only behind Christian McCaffrey in redraft leagues. If you're being drafted as the running back two in redraft formats, it, to get that player as a rookie in dynasty is a legitimate cheat code. And there's not much we can be saying about it. I know some people kind of want to get cute and say, oh, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson over Bijan Robinson because I want to be different. You're not being different. You're just being dumb. Just take Bijan Robinson. I mean, he's literally the running back two overall this season, and he's a rookie. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's been the RB1 in Dynasty for several months, even before he was in the NFL. I mean, that's just what kind of special player he is. We did an entire podcast talking about that and the amount of, you know, capital. People try to get cute with it, like you said. And I mean, I have the second pick and, and I mean, I am, I am taking Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson deserves to be second in a super flex draft. Just so you guys know, this is super flex tight end premium. Uh, you know, the, the only way we play things is, is the, in that format. You know, we, we end up going with a 1.7 tight end premium. We do a 0.25 points per carry. Uh, but Anthony Richardson, honestly, guys is, has the highest degree of variance, right? I mean, this is someone that I think with his floor, he could easily be a top 12 quarterback if he can do 180 yards, 
little over a touchdown with that rushing skill of 50, 60 yards a game, which we're going to see. So if he's out there, he's starting day one. This offense is exciting. You know, the RPO action with a great running back like Jonathan Taylor. I think the read option there is going to be phenomenal. I'm very excited to see what Anthony Richardson can do because of that floor. I mean, we could see very easily a, a season like that might not be the most pretty like Justin Fields put up for us where he was QB seven, QB eight, depending on the format. I think Anthony Richardson is a, you know, slam dunk at one Oh two. And now we get into Snoop's guy, you know, now a lot of variants in between these three, four, five, and six picks start to get a little bit interesting. So we're going to go with you here, Snoog at the three spot. Yeah. With it being super flex, I don't think this is a hard decision at all. I'm going to go with the near flawless prospect of my model, Bryce Young. Out of Alabama, despite his size, he's damn good at everything he does, and he does everything at a high level. He's one of the best processors I've had coming out in a while as a, at the quarterback position. Some people like to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's on that level, but he is damn good, and I think he will be a top-10 dynasty quarterback at some point in points per game. I like the situation he landed in. He's got weapons around him. He's got solid guys. They're built to the bone. I like to call it the offensive mid, but that's pretty decent for a rookie quarterback to go into. He's not throwing a Nico Collins like CJ Stroud. That hurts to say to take Bryce over Stroud because I'm a big Stroud guy, but I think it's there for Bryce Young. And I think with it being probably six point passing, like most people play nowadays and super flex, you just have to go Bryce Young. All right. So the way we have this set up on sleepers, they have to have four people in there so we have uh shout out to our man adam armor he is the guy behind the scenes you know updating things in the patreon all the time so shout out to him mason you got to be pumped here because i feel like you know you got Bijan with the the 101 now you get to 104 and there's some debate between stroud and, and this guy but you're up at the 104 yeah i'm not gonna lie to you i actually got to interview jsn as well so from my personal dynasty teams i drafted over 20 rookie drafts already I took Jackson Smith and Jigba over Jameer Gibbs in every single one. But what I've been ranking on YouTube, what we have on flockfantasy.com is uh, I did rank Jameer Gibbs over him in a vacuum. I mean, this is a running back that's the best passing down guy we've seen in a long time. He's an elite athlete. At the same time, he goes pick 12 behind an elite offensive line. He does have the red flag that he's a little smaller. He has a BMI of, I believe, 29.4, which you're not necessarily expecting him to go out there and see 20 plus touches a game. But if you have the elite athleticism, the elite receiving down skill set, and an elite offensive line to run behind, plus they move DeAndre Swift to get you. I mean, you know that it's the running back that gives you a high floor ceiling combo over the next few seasons. I love it because I've been all over him. So has Snoog. That's been a guy we've been, you know, jumping in everywhere. Uh, My next pick, and you already alluded to him, I got to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. We have so many people out there right now worried about the landing spot. I think it's fantastic. I mean, this is a similar situation of this guy was able to do it with Garrett Wilson, with Chris Olave. Both of them said he is the best wide receiver in that room. And this is a lot more like you know, a lot of people are comparing him to a T. Higgins situation. I think this is a lot closer to a Jamar Chase and DK Metcalf's more in that T. Higgins role. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to absolutely boom in Dynasty. And you're getting him at a value at the 106 time and time again, which absolutely blows my mind because this is another special wide receiver. Snoog, here we go, man. That, that's a rough stretch for there for you. I know those were your guys. Yeah, it, it is tough now. So I think this leaves me with Quentin Johnston. Um, I think he checks it. He checks every box for me. He, he has a crazy high level of upside that he can hit. 
He's a freak athlete. He's a freak of nature, physically. 80-inch wingspan, and he got paired up with an elite dynasty quarterback and an elite franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. And an offense ran by Kevin Moore, so I love everything about the situation. He was the second wide receiver drafted off the board. And he's very, very good after the catch. And that's something that a lot of people don't kind of take care of and focus in on in fantasy football is how important that is because they're not target or they don't have to be target dominant to produce. You saw that with Christian Watson. We saw this with Debo Samuel, guys that could produce after the catch. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver eight overall with 117 targets last year is crazy. So these yak monsters just produce at a high level. Quinn Johnson checks every box for me. Early declare, dominated his team's yards on a per-game basis. And he's a 6'3", 218-pound Alpha X wide receiver. Some may say he's the only Alpha X wide receiver in this class. I disagree. Jackson Smith and Jigba's my guy. He's the best wide receiver in this class. But Quentin Johnson, in terms of a ceiling outcome, can be close to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I like it. Adam on the clock there would have taken Jordan Addison. Uh, Mason, since we just talked about those three wide receivers, you know, how do you see these guys shaking out for redraft? Because a lot of our dynasty, I mean, as far as our rankings, you know, Snoog and I both have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Addison two and Quentin Johnson three, but it's fairly close uh, when you talk about the two and three as a separation there between Smith and Jigba and, and the other two. Uh, how do you see them shaking out for redraft this year? Because we're getting into that season. A lot of people are you know, worried about investing in rookie wide receivers, but do you see any of these guys booming year one or maybe multiple players? Honestly, I think they all have a realistic shot to. Right now, JSN's being drafted, I believe, around the wide receiver 30, wide receiver 33 slot on underdog. I mean, if you're looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba, a big thing people will point out year one is the 11 personnel rates that you have from the Seattle Seahawks saying, well, you know what? Seattle doesn't get three wide receivers on the field. Well, the reason for that is the Seattle Seahawks, ha Seahawks had 32-year-old Marquis Goodwin there last year. They don't take JSN, the best wide receiver in this class, in the first round. So he can stand there and look pretty next to Pete Carroll. He's going to get on the field immediately. They are going to change the way that they play. They call plays overall. I think that JSN is a truly generational wide receiver prospect that can easily be a top 24 guy this year. With Johnston and Addison, I think that Addison probably is a better shot to make an impact right away from a redraft perspective, given the fact that, I mean, if you look at two wide receiver sets, Addison can slide in there in Minnesota. Johnston's going to have a little bit more of a difficult time. He's definitely my pick in Dynasty, however, just given the contract situation you have for both Mike Williams as well as Keenan Allen next season. Now, we had Matt Waldman on a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying the, the landing spot for Addison there feels a lot almost like a Devonta Smith light. I mean, is this where, where – how close – do you think that comparison is with Jordan Addison? Because, I mean, that is something that in Dynasty, I've been scooping him up at the 107, feel like it's really good value. In redraft, how does that tie in? Honestly, I, I don't necessarily see the comp to Devonta Smith. I mean, I understand people want to go it's there immediately situation, right? because the size concerns that both yeah. wide receivers have. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at the offenses, I think that they're pretty much entirely different. I, I think at the same time, if you're going to be looking at the production profiles, I mean, Devonta Smith literally almost had 50% of the receiving yards on a per-game basis at Alabama his final season. And so I think Smith was a much better prospect. Trust me, I would love for Jordan Addison to be Devonta Smith. I just don't necessarily see that as the median projection. I think it's probably like best, best, best case scenario. I like it. You're on the clock, brother. Yeah, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take Zay Flowers here. Not going to lie to you. I think Zay Flowers shouldn't be considered next to Johnston or Addison. 
Johnson and Addison, in my mind, are significantly better prospects. Zay Flowers does have the red flag that, I mean, he does have to stay the final season at Boston College. He doesn't declare early, which historically speaking will negatively impact his expected hit rate. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the one that's actually about to have to make the very tough decisions because <laughs> after the first nine, then it that's when it starts to get difficult. Now we get to an interesting spot here. As far as Zay Flowers, I mean, one question we keep getting from everybody, uh, Mason, is is this Todd Munkin offense. Like, how much of a we, – we know he throws the ball a lot more, but Lamar, obviously, things are a lot more geared towards the run there. I mean, how do you see that shaking out with your projections? I personally don't have the same level of hype for this Baltimore Ravens offense. I understand that everybody thinks all of a sudden you're going to have a ton of passing volume in Baltimore – I will believe it when I see it. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a team that tries to lead the NFL in rushing attempts again this next year. I think that they're probably going to be a little bit more in the middle. I don't necessarily see them following what we had with Todd Munkin in previous seasons. However, I think they go from being the most run heavy team to about an average team. I don't necessarily think they go from the most run-heavy team to a change with the offensive coordinator. Now, all of a sudden, they're the most pass-happy team. Yeah, no, I like that. And I, I see a lot of Twitter takes where people are thinking, just because where Munkin was before throwing 600, 650 times, that doesn't mean that's what Lamar is going to do for sure. So I like and respect that. And I also respect that you let me get my guy. So, you know, you got to have your guys. For me, Buffalo needed another playmaker, right? And they there was that stretch of the four wide receivers that just went, you know, and they went right before in the NFL draft. They trade up, they get your guy, Dalton Kincaid. I think Dalton Kincaid has the upside to be a top five to eight dynasty tight end or better. I think he really is going to fit into this offense really well and be that secondary playmaker that they've been looking for, lining up a lot more in the slot, being that, that guy in there. Where does he rank, Mason, as far as redraft for you? Because that's one where tight ends take a while. You know, we almost say that two to three year, you know, learning curve. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Dalton Kincaid's going to line up in the slot quite a bit. He's going to be a guy that's a, a mismatch nightmare for, for people to cover. I mean, if you're looking at his ADP and redraft leagues right now, I mean, people are expecting Dalton Kincaid to immediately be not the second option in Buffalo. He's, I mean, right, right there kind of with Gabe Davis. But the excitement with Kincaid is very real. I will say out of all the rookie tight end seasons that we've seen over the past few years, he probably is the best shot to make a real difference. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously for the situation that you're already mentioning, but I'm literally like all in on avoiding rookie tight ends. I mean, I was avoiding Kyle Pitts as a rookie, even if he was the best tight end prospect of all time. I mean, in my mind, like Pat Frymuth, I don't want to say he's the best case scenario, but I, I would probably rather draft like Pat Frymuth going into year three than Dalton Kincaid going into year one. But I mean, I'm probably just the wrong guy to be asking. I'll be 100% willing to admit though, that it is the best situation you could ever ask for. And that's a principle to stay by. I mean, that's something where we, when we talk in dynasty, typically speaking, we'd say that tight end position is something that we add towards the end. You know, that's the one where we'd much rather buy a guy that's proven as opposed to you get into that Kyle Pitts territory where he was going round one startup and man, did that burn. I mean, if you were taking a guy and we were suggested against that, that, that cannot feel good. Snoog, here we are at the, what are we at? 111. Yeah, this is a smash draft spot for me to take my guy. Two, two out of three of my guys went already. Mason got Jameer Gibbs, and you got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Kendra Miller is definitely one of my guys for sure. He goes into a Saints running back room that's very gloomy from the start. You got Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara with the potential suspension, both 28-year-old running backs. 
Alvin Kamara is my guy. That's my favorite player ever. So it's tough to say, but Kendra Miller is going to eat in that offense. They took him day two in the third round with other holes that they need to fill. So the fact that they even considered to take a running back there shocked me. My jaw dropped to the floor. So they took my guy. He's an elite uh, pure runner. He has great contact balance and vision. The way he plays the game, he's a, he's a slasher between the tackles. And I do think he's a better receiving pack than people give him credit for. I've watched basically every single game that Kendra Miller has played in college football. And you could just tell that TCU didn't ask him to catch the ball. He says it himself, so I'm going to go with that. We can trust him on it. The Saints believe that he is a good pass catcher. They said that they want him to clean up his pass pro. So if he can clean that up, they seem like they're all in on him to be their three down back when Kamara's gone. So at that ADP of 111, I'm smashing that all day. And I've been getting him sporadically all over the place in rookie drafts. I've done 20 plus. I've gotten him in the second round. I've gotten him 207. I've gotten him 110. All my guys are sniping me in all my leagues because they know I love them and they're just dangling over my head with them. But he's definitely a guy I really like. And Mason, I'm curious what you think about Kendra Miller, because I know you're big on passing down running backs that can catch the ball consistently with good profiles coming out of college. I am too, but this is something I kind of shook off my shoulder and ignored coming out because I'm really a firm believer in his talent. So I'm curious where you stand on him. I honestly had to move him up after the NFL draft for a lot of the reasons you already said. I mean, the main thing is just him getting that level of draft capital by the New Orleans Saints. Like you were saying, it does indicate that their long-term plans are Miller. Personally, I, I still probably don't have him ahead of Zach Charbonnet in my mind. I, I'm maybe too... <sighs> too sticky in terms of my pre-draft evaluation process and just going through and saying, okay, well with our next guy that I'm going to take and maybe in Zach Charbonnet, I, I would prefer someone who could catch the ball, but I mean, he definitely has the size to be a three down running back. And at the same time, the saints are going out there and telling us that that's their plan for him considering the draft capital they gave him. I love yeah. that. You know, I, I felt bad for Will Levis sitting in the green room, his girlfriend looking like she's ready to leave him. So I put him in there at the 112 just to kind of throw a little bit. He's, he's kind of going that 112 to 203 range, you know, and there there is that range of outcomes in there. But uh, Mason, you are up. This is your guy here at the 201. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Zach Charbonnet. Probably the worst landing spot you could ever imagine going to a team that has a much better running back, probably a better running back ahead of you that's still on a rookie deal. But, I mean, if we're just going to go through and look at the overall profile, I mean, this is a running back that was a three-down player in college. He has the size to be the three-down player in the NFL. He was a great passing down guy at UCLA. So I think that he could honestly get that role almost immediately over Kenneth Walker. He has the size-speed combo that historically checks out from a prospect profile standpoint. And he gets second round NFL draft capital. From a prospect perspective, he checks every box. Now, of course, the issue is it's just the worst situation you could ever look for. So naturally, he's going to slide down boards compared to where he was going previous. Yeah, Pete Carroll does not care about our dynasty teams. You know, he went out there and and just messed up everything. Pre-draft, I had him as the 107 because talent-wise, you know, he was going to be the RB3 for me in the class. He, you can You can debate where you're at. I, I like what you were talking about there with Walker because Walker takes the biggest hit. You know, as far as Charbonnet and Walker, how close do you see this split? Because in Dynasty, I mean, Walker was all the way up to RB4, RB5. Now he's moved down to maybe, say, RB12. How do you see these two guys shaking out? And, and you know, are they going to be vulturing into each other? Because I, I ultimately think that if Charbonnet, and I love him here at this spot, 
if Walker goes down as a guy that's going to win you leagues where he's a great guy to draft and redraft. Yeah, I mean, I kind of view Zach Charbonnet is similar in a way to like the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon split, not necessarily the playing like style that. that you had with those two backs, but more so that it's going to be a split backfield where you're never that excited to play Zach Charbonnet, but you can, you can, if you really need to during a bye week or an injury. But the big thing is you have the three down ability to win leagues. If Kenneth Walker were to go down, like you were saying, I think probably the median projection for these guys should be that Kenneth Walker splits the backfield like 70, 30 with Zach Charbonnet at the beginning of the year. And then by the time we get to the end of the season, it's closer to like a 60, 40 split. Yeah. I mean, in the NFL's going, you got to have two backs, you know, and it's harder and harder to see that guy that's a three down bell cow that's going to be out there all the time. The next guy I'm taking is certainly not a three down bell cow, but I am going to go Devin A-Chain. I really love the explosiveness of this guy, right? If Charbonnet goes to Miami, we're starting to debate where he goes in that top six. Like He starts to move into the area because it's a dream landing spot. You get a guy here like A-Chain, 93rd percentile in elusive rating, 89th percentile in explosive run rate. Get the guy in space, and he is going to make people miss. I mean, I understand the size is a bit of a worry, but you get him... 10, 12, 15 touches, and we have a Tony Pollard-type role early in his career. And I think A-Chain is going to be a value in a lot of rookie drafts because people are just worried about the size. Again, uh, Mason, since we have you on and you're, you're our redraft kind of guy, the Miami backfield, right? Like we wanted – that is a dream landing spot. We, you know, we, we had the, the right offense there with McDaniels. What do you see A-Chain doing year one? Because this is an interesting one. I mean, it's Mostert, it's Wilson. Maybe they go out and they, they sign one of these other veterans that are still out there. But how does it shake out for you? I honestly want to believe they do something. I have no idea. I am assuming they bring in Zeke, Fournette, Hunt. I, I don't know. I just think it would be so bad for a team that is ready to contend and ready to hopefully make a Super Bowl run this year, or at least try to go into the year with like Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Devon A. Chain as yeah. their top three backs. I agree. And I think a lot of people think, I mean, right now in Dynasty, I mean, the, right now Zeke, Hunt, and Fournette are cheap. You know, they are out there just waiting and they're going to ruin somebody's backfield. You know, they're going to come in there and create some some instant competition right off the bat. Snoog, here we are at your pick. So this is exactly where I don't want to be in rookie drafts. You trade I about, out. I have about four guys here I like, so I would be trading out if I could. But I think with this pick, it, with it being tight end premium, I think I have to go with Michael Mayer. I had him pretty close to Dalton Kincaid coming out, and I loved his landing spot. He went early round two, and he's paired up with Noodle Arm Jimmy G with the potential to be the number two option eventually in that Raiders offense. Jimmy G played with George Kittle and Rob Gronkowski, two great tight ends in the past. He likes to hit his tight ends, and I think Michael Mayer has a good ceiling and a safe floor. He's a really good prospect coming out of Notre Dame, and he was kind of one of those guys that we were talking about two years ago, like Brock Bowers right now, and it's almost like he kind of got lost in the sauce, as I would say, during the process as other guys started to get hyped up, the emergence of Kincaid, stuff like that. So I think Michael Mayer could shock a lot of people, and I love the value here. He actually just went 209 in a full tight end premium league that I'm in. So uh, it stole him. Yeah, the, the next pick, and I, I think Mason probably had like a breath of relief there. I want to talk about it. If you go on Twitter right now and you search Jonathan Mingo, you have 
one, your yours was right next to mine. It says one guy you won't be drafting, and Mingo was somewhere where I'm coming away with him everywhere just because of the situation. Who ends up being that wide receiver one in, in Carolina, and does Mingo have that kind of potential? I, I know a lot of people are down on the profile. I was looking at Matt Harmon, is, you know, comping him a lot to like a big slot version of Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, where do you have that, that Carolina situation? And I know Mingo's definitely not your guy. To be honest with you, I, I have no idea. To be honest, I have no idea who's going to be None productive of us do, right? in Carolina. Yeah. In a lot of best ball drafts in particular right now, I've been drafting a lot of DJ Chark as well as Adam Thielen just because, nice. like you were saying, I, I'm willing to go, I don't want to say all in on betting against Jonathan Mingo, but pretty damn close to it. And that I'm just looking at a wide receiver that doesn't really check any of the boxes that I personally look for. He didn't break out at an early age. He didn't declare as a junior. He never dominated. And historically speaking, you can find a wide receiver that stays all four years. You can find a wide receiver that is never the wide receiver one in his own offense and has success at the NFL level. But historically speaking, those guys are Terry McLaurin at Ohio State playing alongside Paris Campbell. That's Jalen Waddell at Alabama playing alongside Devonta Smith. That's Jerry Judy in that Alabama wide receiver room that also has Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, John Mechie. That's Chris Olave who's playing alongside Garrett Wilson and uh, the Jackson Smith and Jigba. So in my mind, Jonathan Mingo doesn't have one of those excuses. Like, yeah, no teammates at the wide receiver position get drafted to the NFL this next year. I don't know who it's going to be in Carolina. Maybe that means I should be fading Bryce Young. I'm hoping that in the long term, this is a team that can maybe make a play at wide receiver in 2024. But yeah, I don't know the answer to your question, to be honest. Yeah, this, this felt like we were watching the draft, and we all in Dynasty want our guys to go in certain areas, and it felt like, oh, okay, Josh Downs is going to go here. This is going to be an immediate impact kind of thing, and I, I'm digging the situation for Mingo, you know, and we'll kind of see how that plays out, but you're on the clock now, brother. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and let's lock in a wide receiver that I actually like the profile of, Josh Downs. I mean, definitely a worse yeah. situation than Jonathan yes. Mingo, and I think Mingo... Like a big mistake that people make in fantasy football rather than the real life NFL. Like, honestly, Mingo could be a better real life NFL wide receiver than Josh Downs. Mingo could be a better run blocker. Jonathan Mingo can provide more athleticism and more field stretching ability. But if we're talking fantasy football purposes, while Josh Downs may not necessarily do that, how he wins in real life will translate to fantasy football points. He wins by playing in the slot, he wins by racking up targets. And in that, way we can just go through and we can confidently project him to be a wide receiver that if he is successful in the NFL, it's not by run blocking. It's not by being a decoy. It's by actually scoring fantasy points. And yeah, my, pro my profile, my prospect model really likes him. I mean, if you're looking at his profile, he breaks out early. He dominates as a sophomore. He declares as a junior. Those are going to be the three big, big things that we're looking at. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I think that's the, what we were saying before with Carolina is like if he went there, he checks a lot more of the boxes than Mingo does. Uh, for me, since it's tight end premium, um, you know, and we, we play in a pretty heavy tight end premium format, I'm going to take Sam Laporta here. I think Laporta, he's my tight end too in Dynasty. I think he ends up having, oh, nope, he's already gone. Wait a second. Not glitch. Snook, you, you, you messed it up on me. All right, you take Mayor. No, it, I, it, I got, just that, it just said that you forced it. 
Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. I'm taking Sam Laporta here. I think ultimately he is a guy that is going to be able to step in there in an offense that I I like a lot. I think he's out part of that Iowa tight end base where he's going to have a, a great production as far as his career. Maybe not year one, but at this point, there's multiple wide receivers here like I like. There's multiple running backs, and I think this is the last of a tier at the tight end position. You're up, Snook. Yeah, with with Marvin Mims here sitting on the board, this is this is a fantasy landscape for me that I'm smashing all day. Marvin Mims is one of my he was my wide receiver six pre-draft. He's still my wide receiver six right after Josh Downs. So if Mason took Mims, I would have took Downs. Both those guys are right there for me. Mims getting the draft capital in the second round, paired up with Russell Wilson. I'm not a firmly believer in Cortland Sutton. Personally, and I don't think Jerry Judy's there for the long term. I know they picked up his fifth year, but I think Marvin Mims comes into an offense with newly coached Sean Payton, who's one of my favorite coaches ever, offensive-minded genius, who used a guy who I comped Marvin Mims similar to is Brandon Cooks. He used Brandon Cooks like a deep threat monster, and he ate in New Orleans in his early years, and he was one of my favorite receivers at the time. So I see that comp kind of pairing up well. And just the fact that he landed in Sean Payton's arms in the second round, he actually traded out of the third round to draft Marvin Mims. And he's just a, he was a great prospect coming out early declare. He checks all my boxes that I look for in my wide receiver process. So pair that up with Russell Wilson's strong arm and you got yourself a good wide receiver too. So the auto pick here was Rushy Rice. Mason, there's a lot of talk you know, at, at rookie camp, you know, that Rashi Rice has been a standout with the Chiefs. Uh, they've been looking for that that guy to be replacing, you know, where they, they didn't really replace last year. You know, Juju was in there. How do Mims and Rashi Rice jump in year one? I mean, are these guys ADP-wise that you would be considering year one as rookies? I mean, from a redraft perspective, I, I don't think Mims has the shot. I think from a dynasty perspective, Marvin Mims is a better player than Rasheed Rice. The issue, Agreed. obviously, is you're just going to be waiting for Sutton to leave. You're going to be waiting for Patrick to leave. You're going to wait for that depth chart to clear out a bit. Rasheed Rice can step in year one. He can make an impact. I don't think he's nearly as good of a player, but obviously it's just in a much, much better situation. Mm -hmm. You are on the clock, brother. Well, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Hendon Hooker. I have no idea if he's going to be good, right? I think that oh, a big that mistake everybody night. makes in Dynasty is they're overly confident with their ability to go through and evaluate quarterback prospects. I think it is the most difficult thing to ever do to figure out how a quarterback's going to transfer his skill set to the NFL when there are so many different variables that affect him in college, including the head coach, including the offensive coordinator, including the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends. The overall scheme that they have top to bottom, it's almost impossible to separate all that from fundamental play. So the only thing that I look at at the quarterback position in rookie drafts is draft capital, which indicates job security. I mean, you can be a top three pick and still be horrible, but start for four years. Look at Trubisky. Look at Blake Bortles. I look at rushing upside, which tells us if this player does start, can I put them in my starting lineup? With Hendon Hooker, I don't know if he'll ever start. But if he were to start for the Detroit Lions in 2024, whenever it may be, I would feel comfortable putting him in my starting lineup because of the rushing upside that he has. So more likely than not, Hinden Hooker is bad. More likely than not, we may never see him start at the NFL level. But given the rushing upside that he has, I think that this is a pick that has more upside than the other guys that are left on the board, even if it's a much lower floor.
Yeah, I've been getting them everywhere, 205 to 208. I'm in the FFPC pros versus Joes, and I he, 302 he went. You know, And I think in Superflex, that's an absolute steal given the, the weapons around in Detroit and, like you said, that rushing upside. The next pick... And I got I got to point this out, you know, we're all we're all rocking the the sport totes, we're all looking good. I got to say you are one of the most best dressed guys when it comes to Twitter. You got that class, you got that, you know, that that swag. Guy that I think has that swag is Roshan Johnson. Now, he went pick 115 in the NFL draft. Obviously, you know, the backup to Bijan Robinson, but when the guy got a chance to play, great contact balance, especially in his lower half, always falling forward, looks explosive. Mason, you're a Texas guy. Roshan Johnson is this someone that's, you know, if he was given the lead back role in, in Texas, would we be talking about a lot higher up in the draft? I think so. I mean, he never really got a fair crack. He went to Texas actually as a dual threat quarterback. The only reason he ever played running back is because literally every guy that we had was injured. So then he transitions over to running back when he was supposed to be a red shirt quarterback. And then all of a sudden, while he's transitioned to running back the next year, you get Bijan Robinson coming over. So he never really got a fair shot. We really don't know exactly who he is. To be honest with you, I maybe would have taken him over Hinden Hooker if I thought that if I would have known you were taking him here at the 602. I thought there was a shot he made it to me in the next round. You sniped me with Hendon Hooker. I think maybe we get a trade in here. You know, I would yeah. we'll try to work it around here. This is an area in the dynasty rookie drafts where, you know, I one through six is chalk, right? Like people aren't shocking the world by taking anybody in there. I have I have been in 17 drafts and I have not seen anyone go other than those big six, you know, and seven through 10 is pretty fair. That second round is really all over the place, you know, but I think it is a deep area. And I think Roshan Johnson is someone that, I mean, Mason, Khalil Herbert, a lot of people were, you know, projecting as a starter. He looked really good when he had a couple weeks there where he was that guy. Is Roshan Johnson someone that's going to challenge that? Or is Khalil Herbert the starter until, you know, maybe midseason? Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about this on a live stream recently, but I mean, if I had to go through and put the probabilities of who the starting running back is in week 12 for the Chicago Bears team, you probably put Khalil Herbert at like 40%. Then you probably, I mean, maybe 45%. Then you throw Roshan Johnson at 30% and give Deontay Foreman at 25%. I mean, I think it's anybody's job. I have no idea who it's going to be. And that's the key in this area, right? Like a lot of people start thinking about day three wide receivers. For me, it's like, man, I am literally loading up on these running backs because we're about to record another show where these these rookie running backs, they may have fallen back a little bit because of the depth, but there's some real opportunity here. Snoog, on the clock, I think I might have taken your guy. You know, I, I didn't want to, but you're up. Yeah, you headshot sniped me with that pick. Roshan's a great pick there. Um, he's my sixth running back pre-draft, and now he's my RB6 as well. I like the value there in comparison to Zach Charbonnet up where, where Mason took him. I like Roshan a lot, so they're pretty close for me as, as players. So I like that pick from Dad. That that would have been my pick here. But I'm going to have to go ahead and take Jaden Reed here because I think he has a clear path to opportunity in that Green Bay offense. I think he's going to be a good complement to Christian Watson, and he was drafted in the second round, which is was a shock for a lot of people. But he was one of my – um sleepers pre-draft and i liked him a lot since i have receipts back from september he was a guy that i liked last year and i wanted him to go to the draft last year coming off a big season in his junior year at michigan state which is hard to produce in that offense because it's so run heavy and he had an 800 plus yard season as a true freshman at 18 years old he checks so many good metrics he's a really great player speedy playmaker he gives me good vibes. He gives me a Tyreek Hill light vibes. He's not going to be Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying that, but 
similar play style. So I like Jaden Reed's value there. And I've been scooping him up in the third round, even late second round in every rookie draft I can get my hands on him. All right. So our auto pick, and we're going to talk about him maybe a little bit later. Tank Bigsby goes. Mason, you are on the clock again. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Taji Spears. Ugh. No idea if he's any good. We're making a trade now. We're, we're That was going to be my guy. Yeah, I, I mean, he can somewhat catch the ball out of the backfield. He's almost big enough. He's almost fast enough. He's not, I mean, he's not elite at anything. He's not that bad at anything. He's just kind of whatever. He's playing in a backfield that is 29-year-old Derrick Henry. So, I mean, I don't know. I'll take him here at 701. Definitely better than whatever left whatever else is on the board. Yeah, that was that was the last of a, a tier there for for sure. We talk about that in our rookie drafts. You know, that would have been a spot where I'm trading up in, in tiers. Obviously, Tajay Spears is kind of doesn't have. Uh, there's been so many reports about the ACL and the injuries there, and he's holding his knees together with tape. Uh, so you got both these guys. I mean, Bigsby going to be the backup to you know Travis Etienne, and, and Spears the backup, and also maybe kind of filling that Dontrell Hilliard role be, with with Derrick Henry. How do these guys shake out? You know, as far as their 2023 prospects. I mean, if you're looking at him, it's just a deep dart throw. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to be looking for like a handcuff type running back, he would never step into like a Derrick Henry role and see like 24, 23 touches. But I think if Agreed. Derrick Henry were to go down, I mean, especially in a full PBR format, he could be a running back too. All right, now it gets real tough. So this is the part where Snoog, do you want to trade up? You know, we're going to get your guy here. You know, there's a couple wide receivers we're looking at. We're kind of going with some some upside. I am personally going to stick with the running back theme. This is someone that I've been kind of taking in this area is, is Izzy Abanaconda. I'm like, you know, obviously Brees Hall. He's coming off the ACL. We love Brees Hall. You know, he's Dynasty RB2 for us. Um, but I think you got to have a, a guy here where I think the athletic profile for Abanaconda is someone that could really come in there and, and be a force. You know, and I think at this area, you're just looking for upside of opportunity. He's going to be, I think he, he supplants Michael Carter as the second running back in that situation and has the ability to, you know, fill in, especially with Brees Hall early on in the season, might be eased back in a little bit. So here you go, Snoog. Yeah, here it's kind of throw your dart at the board and hope you hit the bullseye. So I'm going to go with Jalen Hyatt here. Nope. I, th- yeah. I think he has a pretty decent opportunity in in the Giants offense with Daniel Jones' strong arm. Good offense ran by Dabble. So I didn't, I wasn't too high on Hyatt coming out. I don't, I don't think he'll ever be a volume guy, but I do know for sure that he's going to have a role in that offense. They're, they're kind of like – it's almost like they have eight – slot wide receivers on that depth chart right now and he's kind of the only guy that can send it deep and make a play downfield so Jalen Hyatt's my guy here that I take an upside shot on all right let's see who our automatic pick here is uh since we talked about Jalen Hyatt Mason I mean the guy that everybody's been buying in the in the dynasty community is is Daniel Jones I think Daniel Jones you know if you look at the statistically speaking the the touchdowns weren't there but the rushing upside was the the field was you know obviously awful situation for wide receivers. They get Jalen Hyatt potentially to stretch the field now. How high up is Daniel Jones in your rankings? And does the Jalen Hyatt pick make Saquon Barkley's job a little bit easier? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you were already mentioning, I think that Jalen Hyatt can actually be someone that makes a difference for the New York Giants, given the speed. That's something that they desperately needed. Going back to what we were talking about earlier with like, I mean, the rookie wide receiver in Carolina and Jonathan Mingo, I think it's just another perfect example of someone that helps the offense more than, 
he helps himself in fantasy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And agree with that. Snoog labeled this last last week the the Walmart version of a player. You know, we always say someone light. I looked at him as like a Will Fuller light early on in the process. We'll call him a Walmart Will Fuller. So <laughs> you're on the clock, Mason. Who are you taking here? Cedric Tillman went. So obviously back to back Tennessee wide receivers. Um, who are you taking here? And now it gets a little dicey, right? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take Luke Musgrave. I oh, mean, no. this is a tight end that. Yeah wasn't particularly that productive in college is a really nice athletic profile. I mean, he's six, six, he ran a four, six, one at 253 pounds. So he looks like a prototypical tight ends. Of course, like we said, it wasn't productive in college. So I think he is a long shot to be productive in the NFL, but if he ever had a shot to be productive in the NFL, it's probably going with the 11th pick in the second round to a team that, Oh, so desperately needs some tight end help. So now draft capital kind of matters. There's some guys that were higher up in the in the draft process. Um, it, it gets really, really difficult. Try to you know pick out which is that guy that's gonna gonna hit. Um, Mason, when when we look at like rookie drafts, I mean Zach Evans was a guy that everyone had projected. You know, round three, round four. He slips all the way to round six. You look at the hit rate of guys that fall that far. I mean, is Zach Evans, and that's ultimately who I'm gonna take here, but. Is he having a, a shot here? I mean, when you look at guys going in round six, it's almost a death sentence when you talk about draft capital. But it's Cam Akers. There's not a ton of competition there. What do you think about it? To be honest with you, I haven't drafted Zach Evans once. I don't this is plan the first. on drafting Zach this Evans once. This is the once. first I did it. I, I, I don't see why um, there was the hype before the draft season I mean, started. I understand that he had some Debbie hype back in the day. He did. But... Yeah. No, that's where – and a lot of people are like – Honestly, I have not drafted him in a single rookie draft, but for this purpose, we were going here. And a lot of people, you know, you find, and you've been doing this since 2019, and I've been doing it for a while too, is like people have their takes early, right? And then they don't want to back off it. And how difficult is that for you as an analyst of like, you have your pre-draft, you know, rookie analysis, but then the NFL kind of shows you what they think of these guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Cut off. I, I apologize. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm easy to go through and admit that I'm an idiot. Like I, I get things wrong all the time. So for instance, a good example is Will Levis was someone I had ranked at like the 106, 107 before the NFL draft. But that's whenever sports books had him like minus 500 to go inside the top five picks. And the second that he falls to the second round of the NFL draft, I'm like, yep, um, we are going to have him plummet down our rankings. Now, maybe we're going to rank him closer to 12th. I'm just going to have to take a massive L here because not only are, are NFL teams telling us what they think of him, and they're probably better talent evaluators than I am, but at the same time, I mean, it just dramatically changes the probability of how many weeks that we're actually going to get this guy as a starting quarterback. I like it. Snoog, I took Zach Evans kind of as a way to give you your guy here because I know who you're taking. Did you expect that? No, I didn't. Wow. Whoa. Hey. All right. We talked about draft capital. So let's talk about a uh, day three wide receiver that falls off. Yeah. So Mason, Mason nailed it earlier. He said we're at that range where you're kind of just closing your eyes, throwing the dart, and hoping you hit it. So I think Keishon Booty is one of those guys that if if anybody's going to hit and be that upset guy that you want to hit right now in this range, it's going to be Keishon Booty. The double ankle surgery, he had so many setbacks after a phenomenal start to his career. That insane freshman year he had, 300-plus yard game. He had 700-plus yards, all in a short time span. And then going into his sophomore year, in the seven games he played, 
He had 500 plus yards and eight touchdowns. So this is a guy that produced at a high level at a young age in the SEC at LSU, which some may consider wide receiver U University. I consider it Ohio State. But as a Pats fan with that gross receiver room that we have going into 2023 alongside playing with Juju Smith-Schuster, I think Bucci's going to get on the field. And if he's healthy and ready to roll, I think he can make some plays coming out of the slot, playing a little bit on the outside just getting the ball in his hands because he's lethal after the catch. And that's kind of what he showed us in college. And a lot of us thought he was going to be a good athlete, came to the combine and jumped 29 inches. So I could have rolled out of bed with my moccasins on and did better than that. But Keishon Booty is a guy that I'm just going to throw the dart and pray. Yeah, and we're both like, again, Devi community was huge on both of these guys. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of He's a big letdown. There was yeah. also some big, I, I don't know the whole situation, just stuff with, him and the coach and some crazy stuff that happened to LSU. They didn't want him back, stuff like that. So I think it could be – he went out on bad terms and that just set back his junior year massively. Auto pick is going Chase Brown. We're not going to talk a ton about Chase Brown. I mean, obviously, bell cow role when he was in college. He has that receiving ability. Um, Mason, two questions here. It's like a two-parter. So the Joe Mixon situation versus the Alvin Kamara situation, you know, are we looking at a potential suspension – closer for Alvin Kamara because they took Kendra Miller so soon and is, is you know Cincinnati kind of deferring and knows a little bit more they waited all the way till you know round what round four round five for Chase Brown so let's talk a little bit about both those guys because I think in redraft you know obviously we're going to know more about it once we get to August but let's talk Mixon and Kamara quick yeah I mean in general I would say that I'm going to be more worried about Kamara than Mixon of course I have no idea what's going on but if we just look at the actions that both teams took you had the New Orleans Saints signing Jamal Williams. Then they followed it up by drafting running back at the very beginning of the third round. And in return, the Cincinnati Bengals let Samaje Pirine walk and then went through and drafted someone to try to replace Samaje Pirine at the very end of the draft. So, I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea what's going on. But if I'm looking at the team actions, like you're already indicating, I think yeah, I'll probably be more worried about Alvin Kamara than I would be Joe Mixon. Yeah, and the, the question that I get, people are always like, Dad, I mean, they, they hear rumor of Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook getting cut. And I think both of those teams, you look at them, I mean, they're win-now teams. What are you going to replace them with? You know what I mean? Like, I, I Dalvin Cook's another guy that I don't know how high he is up in redraft, but, I mean, there's a lot of rumblings of, like, people thinking that they're just straight up going to cut Dalvin Cook and move into that area. You are up on the clock, brother, for your last pick. We'll make this the last round. This has been a blast, Mason. I, I got to say, you know, you live up to all the hype. I mean, you've been nailing it. It's been great takes, and we've thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's let's finish out this last strong, last round strong. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you so much again for having me. I had a ton of fun, and not going to have too much fun taking Darnell Washington, but it'll be more <laughs> fun than anything else. Another player that looked good before the NFL draft, and you get probably one of the worst landing spots you could have, not only – a bad landing spot in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, I mean, hell, you fall to round three when we thought you were going round two. So not great. I know we were talking at the very beginning how, oh, I, I don't expect rookie Titans to produce. And, and here I am taking them back to back. But I mean, once we get to the third round, all bets are off. And I'm just going to go through and take someone that I think maybe could have some talent. Yeah, I'm just throwing out there another dart throw. I mean, obviously, I, I looked at there, there's some handcuffs here, I think, that start to go in this area. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn, another small guy, but Dallas is a ripe opportunity. Uh, there's Eric Gray. I mean, there's so many guys here in this area where, like, are they actually going to be the backup? We're going to talk about that in the next pod. But Snoog, I really thought you were going to take Vaughn last round, so I had to take him here before you. 
I think I, I found the needle in the haystack here with Tank Dell. He's coming in. C.J. Stroud told him to draft him. Told uh, Houston right after they called. He called up Tank Dell. I saw everything on Twitter, talking to him, saying we're going to draft you. They had that connection during the NFL draft process. Tank Dell isn't a guy that I loved, but he's a he's a fun gadget playmaker, good route runner, quick release off the line. He's good with the ball in his hands, and he did produce at a high level. I know he was at Houston, but he did produce two back-to-back 1,300-plus yard seasons. So he's coming into an offense with no true pass catcher. Nobody stands out there. John Mechie coming off an unfortunate back-to-back seasons, one with he had cancer and then another with the torn ACL. So he's coming out. He might not be ready to play week one. Who knows? I know he's catching passes already, but – Tank Dell's a guy that could come in and be an immediate producer in that C.J. Stroud-led offense. So he's a guy that I'm throwing darts on all day. And, and I honestly just saw him. I would have taken him before Booty. So I'm happy I got him where I got him. But he's a guy that I would focus in on drafts because I've been seeing him go in the third and fourth round. Guys, we have a lot of guests on. We have a lot of you know dynasty analysts. Make sure you guys go out there and follow Mason Dodd. That's at Mason Dodd, D-O-D-D, at F-F-N. Guys, I mean, this has been fun. We loved having you on. Again, amazing content. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? And, you know, one guy that is a little bit under the radar in, in redraft right now that you think has that ability to hit. Yeah, I mean, so Dynasty Football, Dynasty Football Flock on YouTube, Redraft Football, Flock Fantasy on YouTube. And if I'm looking for someone, and I know I'm going to be the dumbest person in the world to go down with this ship, but... Come on. If we're looking at Trey Lance, you're telling me a quarterback with this much rushing upside, we're going to be disrespecting to the point where he's a QB three almost in these drafts. I understand. Yeah, we don't really know what the situation is in San Francisco. But if we look at quarterbacks that have been drafted since the year 2000 inside the top three picks of the NFL draft, there have only been two guys to start fewer than 40 games in their NFL career. That was RG three, who is ruined by injuries. And Jamarcus Russell, who is the biggest bust in the entire NFL draft, probably history, right? So if you're looking at it, I mean, and Jamarcus Russell started 25 games, unless Trey Lance is either the biggest bust in NFL history, he is going to be starting for a team this next season. His rushing upside, in my mind, means he's going to score fantasy points. So, I mean, if he's being drafted as like a QB3 in best ball drafts right now, I'm all about Lance, my most drafted player. And Dynasty is an interesting thing. I mean, I'm seeing him go for a pair of seconds now. Um, you know, like, where do you see him here? Because... So many people are worried about the the coach speak, and they're seeing things like Sam Darnold's going to take over. Like, come on, like that that's not going to be the thing. Brock Purdy, they they gave him the vote of confidence, but what would you be willing to pay for him in Dynasty right now? Man, I'm willing to overpay for him. Like like I said, I'm an idiot here. I, I would go through and I would give up definitely any pick past eight. I would be sitting there really thinking about Addison Johnston versus Trey Lance. I would sell Trey Lance for six before easily. Like, of course, give me JSN over Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. I would buy Trey Lance easily for nine or after. I'd trade Zay Flowers for him in a heartbeat. Johnston Addison would be about that range where I think maybe it would be dependent on the league and the team that I have. I like that. Snoog, any more questions for Mason? This has been, I know, an absolute pleasure for us as a a community, and we got to thank you again. Uh, yeah, Mason, I want you to give us your favorite rookie draft sleeper in the whole process. Maybe a guy that you were high on pre-draft or maybe a guy that you completely switched your mind on and now you're all in on him. Who's your go-to guy in the rookie drafts after the first round? 
I feel like this is gonna say the Mingo. year that this has been like a difficult question for me to answer. It feels like every year since 2014, I've had my guy and I'm like, oh, y'all are all so stupid. This guy's so good. Honestly, I mean, you could kind of tell every time I'm on the clock, I'm like, hey, he's probably bad, but I'll take him anyway. <laughs> not too excited yeah. about any of these guys after the big names. If I had to make a bet on someone, it would be Roshan Johnson, because if you were going to tell me out of all the players that maybe were overlooked in college, going to school as a quarterback, having to transition to running back, and then being stuck behind the best running back in college football would probably be a pretty good excuse on why you maybe weren't an extreme producer at the collegiate level. So if I had to bet on someone, it'd be Roshan. You yeah. heard it, guys. He said, buy Roshan Johnson, buy Trey Lance. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.